0: Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong.
1: Today's guest is Rick Blangiardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of KGMB 9. Rick started his media career with KGMB 9 as Account Executive in 1977, moving up the ranks as General Sales Manager seven years later. Since his transition from football coach to media practitioner, he has garnered over 30 years' experience in sales, management, and direction of TV news programs in Seattle, New York, San Francisco, St. Louis, Los Angeles, and Honolulu. Rick is involved in several community organizations, such as Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii Food Bank, Chamber of Commerce, and Aloha United Way. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Rick Blangiardi. Welcome to our show, Rick.
2: Thank you, Carrie. It's great to be here.
1: So can you tell us how you got started in the TV industry?
2: Well, you know, it's amazing. Today, uh, as we tape this show, it's been 30 years when I started here at KGMB. And I came here as a football coach up at UH, and uh, quite frankly, it was really born out of economic necessity. In those days, we weren't making much money, and um, this was just something that sounded good.
0: (laughs) Wait, you came full circle then? You started here, and then now you're...
2: I did. Again? I started March seventh, 1977. I started at KGMB.
0: Was it hard to leave football?
2: Very hard to leave football. I'm not so sure I really did leave it. You know, <laughs> to be honest with you, I spent a lot of years with people, um, you know, I think I had an association with the game for a long time. I spent a number of years announcing I was the color, color both for radio and TV with Jim Leahy for some 12 or 13 years, all the way up through 1989, which was great. It was joyous. And then, you know, My love of the game has lasted this whole time anyway, even as a fan.
1: So how was the transition for you from a coach? Now you said you started off as kind of like a sales representative, selling.
2: Yeah. Well, in the beginning, it really wasn't a whole lot of coaching. It was a pretty radical transition. I mean, I went from working with a lot of big, tough, strong guys into a very different kind of a setting, you know, with just as many women, beautiful women, I might add, talented uh, as there were men. And, you know, and so that... Beautiful men. Not beautiful men, but... uh, (laughs) You know, uh, <laughs> I hope we can end it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, you know, it was just a very different setting. Um, and uh, my role was very different. I was in a very senior role at the university as the associate head football coach and defensive coordinator with a lot of underlying responsibility. And I came here and I was just a sales guy that they were basically giving a tryout to. And uh, so it was different the day to day in the beginning. Not so much coaching, it was really about a lot of self discovery.
1: What made you go into sales, as opposed to just a management position? or?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, you know I never really thought of myself going into business, per se. I really felt that I was going to coach forever, and I had spent eight years at the time already coaching college football, and then all the years prior playing. I mean, it was just sort of the world that I knew. But I always felt that if I did transition out of coaching, if I got into some business setting, it would have to be in sales uh, only because I didn't feel like I was qualified, honestly, to walk in and be a manager somewhere.
0: I want to know how it was for you to change or did you even change? Because I've been in meetings before, group meetings here, and it sounds like uh, the locker room. I mean, it sounds like code. It's uh, a... uh, That's what it sounds like. So, it, it, has it evolved and come back,
2: or did it well, change your style, or what? Gee whiz! I'd like to think I've evolved somewhat. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's been a it's been a 30-year odyssey, uh, but I think a lot of the fundamentals, particularly in a group setting, um, really are rooted in my days and experiences, both a player and a coach, where, you know, I really enjoyed that, and it's been most comfortable. And really, at the end of the day, it's. It's a little bit of semantics, but a lot of this job is coaching, and particularly we get together as a team. You know, those words have really worked themselves in into business vernacular these days. You know, it really wasn't that popular when I started in the 70s, but there was sort of a shift, you know, that went on in America, and then suddenly you started hearing a lot more about coaching and teamwork and some of the things that were really pretty comfortable for me.
0: So what were the three most important things you took from coaching that you applied to your television career?
2: Well, wow, the three most important things. Hmm. Well, clearly, uh, a sense of hard work, you know. I mean, uh, the coaching business is a very tough business, and the demands of college football, both playing and coaching, are t- pretty terrific. So, a sense of that, uh, you know, you've got to be prepared to work hard if you want any kind of success. Um, clearly, I-, I think a sense of teamwork. I mean, uh, as I just said, so much of uh, my sense of place is just being on a team you know and part of whether your organization whatever but you know the, the, the teamwork culture is really important and then I think probably the effort uh, outside of the work this the spirit of trying to be as good as you can that, that 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 quest for excellence if you will that you know that you can always do better you know so that the the, the work ethic the sense of team and the challenge to be better than than you you ever thought you might be, you know, really try to strive for your potential. I think those are the things that I probably, you know, as fundamentals.
1: You talk about teamwork quite a bit. How have you been able to keep the company culture? You know, you've been through the transition from KHON and then the sale of KGMB. How do you keep that tight corporate culture that you know that your employees are staying positive and going forward to where your mission and goals are?
2: Yeah, well... Not to correct you per se, but I don't really think we have a corporate culture here. I think it probably starts with that. You know, we're, we're about 100 people strong, and at the end of the day, that's not General Motors. You know, it's a, it is a team. I mean, and each and every person that comes to work at KGMB, irrespective of what department, because television stations are multifaceted, but each person that comes here is here with a sense of purpose and need. And so we really strive, we always stress that. You know, we really... Um, yeah, I think we, we start with giving employees their sense of dignity and, and, and respect uh, on every level, uh, and, and we go from there. So I, I think it's really about that. It's that people here, uh, I hope, come here knowing that they're respected and that they want to do their best work, and that we do acknowledge that when it's warranted.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. We're back with Rick Blangiardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of KGMB 9.
0: What would you consider your sense of purpose? Because I know at this stage of your life you could retire if you wanted to, Mm -hmm. but you keep going. And going in situations that are actually fairly tough. So what would you consider
2: your purpose? I don't think about the R word, but nice to have somebody tell me I could retire. (laughs) Uh, it's not on my short list of things to do anytime soon. I came back, and this is my home, and has been since 1965, and I came back now nearly five years ago with a real sense of purpose, as a, you know, having been away for the 13 years that I was on the mainland working, although I told the press when I came back, you know, I moved to the mainland in 89, but I, I never left Hawaii. And that was very true and so all the years away and all the various experiences and things that I learned when given the opportunity to come back in 2002 and have the benefit of two television stations simultaneously knowing full well that that leverage might be a great Basis, if you will, to get some traction in the market. I, I really wanted to respond to that challenge because, in the years away, I would come home each year, as I said, and as I was watching local TV, I could see, plus, I had friends in the business and they were telling me what was happening. And I was saddened by it, quite frankly. I really felt like Hawaii, especially this place, deserved to have at least really good TV, you know? Um, and so, I, I've really, I think, from day one, it's been about wanted to do good television, good local television here in Hawaii and that probably starts with our news but also it permeates into other programming efforts. It certainly goes into the culture of this place about being a great place to work and people where people feel inspired and appreciated. It's all of that just you know making KGMB a really cool place to work.
1: What makes Hawaii so special to you? What makes it unique?
2: <laughs> I, you know I've I've loved this place from the time I arrived and I've always felt extremely fortunate that I even got here given where i grew up as a young kid um, and that my folks made a decision to move here in 1965 and my mother was adamant that she wasn't going to make the move unless i came i was the oldest son in our family and um, it wasn't anything i was planning on (laughs) it wasn't anything i even thought about when i was thinking about what comes after high school i was actually away in a prep school at the time uh... for the naval academy had signed a letter of intent actually to go to boston college thought that's where i was going when all this happened in the spring of nineteen sixty five and um, and while admittedly there was an adjustment at first i mean because it was so radically different in my short lifetime too but so radically different from having grown up in a bilingual household in cambridge massachusetts I mean, I don't want to say antithetical to Hawaii, because culturally, as I look back now, I understand a lot of the interplay, you know, the things that really were sort of conducive for me, I think, into assimilating into this, this environment. But as far as what's unique here is that I really have truly loved this place and its people, and it's, it just touched my heart. And so when you feel that way, the extension of what you do professionally as far as wanting to make a contribution here. Is, is it comes so naturally. It doesn't feel like work, nor has it ever. And that goes back to the days when we were coaching football, to this whole odyssey through television all these years. It's always been with a sense of doing something greater than yourself, being part of something bigger than you, and wanting to make a difference in that regard, especially if you were able to do so. What made you decide to leave? To leave Hawaii? Yeah. Ah, that was a tough call. I really found myself doing something that I didn't really want to do at the time, but knew that I had to. In those days, I was the general manager of KHL. We'd gone over there and started that. uh, Was originally Kiku in 1984, and some two years into it, we sold to a company called the King Broadcasting Company, no longer in existence, owned a group of television stations, uh, one of which was the NBC affiliate in Seattle, Washington, King 5, one of the most prestigious television stations in all of America. And I don't know how else to say it, but uh, they actually offered me the job to go run that after we'd worked together a couple of years. And it actually offered me the job on my 43rd birthday. And by that time, I'd been through two television stations here in Hawaii. I had kind of Mustang my way through KGMB left as the general sales manager during a time of great success for this TV station in 1984 and went over when we started what really I thought was a great contribution to Hawaii and what we did with KHL, you know early on with UH Sports but all the other things that we did we really put that TV station on the on the, on the landscape. Um, at that point being afforded the opportunity uh, to go run one of the most prestigious stations in America coming out of a rat infested warehouse and in, in Caliche and in Road to go run this incredible television station, the most highly decorated station at the time, winning more Emmys, and you know, and, and you name it—Duponts, Peabodys—I mean, it was an incredibly, uh, incredible television station. So, I had uh, three small children at the time, and um, it was sort of at that professional crossroads, and and really. You know, I, I really wrestled with that because it would have been easy to say no and stay. We certainly had everything going so well here. All my children were born here. Everybody loved it here. But it was just a, com- a career challenge, if you will, that I couldn't find myself saying no to. And so I answered the bell and went.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. We're back with Rick Blangiardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of KGMB 9. Could you tell us how you went through your career? Because you said you started here at KGMB as an account sales executive, and right. then you worked your way up, and then you're at K now, which is the general manager. I mean, right. where did you take that step to actually running these huge yeah. deals, and then you got this huge promotion to the mainland?
2: Yeah. Um, well, it just sort of happened that way. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I started out here as an account executive, and really didn't do very well in the beginning. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I probably felt real sorry for myself. In fact, I know that I did for about six months. You know, people, everybody I would run into. Did you cry? I, I, I actually, I did. I was pretty emotional. Did I cry? I, was, I loved the game of football, and I loved the challenge of what we were doing at the university. And, um, and we had some great moments. Unfortunately, that year was the only losing year I'd ever been associated with. We didn't have such a good year. Uh, but I really loved what I was doing. Um, and I had such a strong sense of identity in doing it, but as I said, uh, economic necessity—we were, weren't making much money, and my wife was pregnant with my now oldest son at the time. So, um, yeah, I, I came here, and I didn't even know what I really got into, to be honest. And this station was an incredible place in those days.
1: Well, how did you make that jump, though? You know, to well, start out business. selling
2: and I started selling and then once I got my act together and started selling fairly well I was fortunate that I got promoted and first it was a local sales managers job which is that first tier of management in, in sales and then I became the general sales manager and we had a great station and a great staff I had a great team really terrific team they, were, they made me look good and then a couple of years into it um, these guys from across town their general manager just walked out on them and they had this television station, so to speak, that wasn't doing anything, and um, they asked me if I wanted to go run it. And after seven years inside of KGMB and kind of working my way through, I recognized that that next step would probably be out of this building. So I said yes, I did. I didn't have to leave Hawaii. Didn't really have any great vision initially, but we quickly started to think, okay, what are we gonna do? And a lot of things happened that were really exciting.
1: Can you reflect and think about what made the difference of why things started happening all of a sudden? What change did you make when you said that things started happening for the better and you got to be a better account executive? Uh,
2: well, I think the change really happened inside. You know, it's, uh, um, I just decided that when the foot- my son was born in September, and coincidental with the start of the football season, and I remember when he was still in the hospital listening on a little transistor radio. It was a Kapilani and um, it was the night of the first game, and I wasn't there. I think the realization that the world was going to go on, you know, life goes on without you. And not that my ego was all that inflated. I had just always been part of a football team, either a player or a coach for all those years since since my early adolescence, that the world was going to go on without me. I had this newborn son. Um, it was a different reality, and I, I just, from a, in a very private moment, you know, just Turn, turn my attention to getting very serious about doing this and doing this well.
0: Was it just an attitude change then, or was it a skill change?
2: Well, um, that's a good question, attitude, skill. I, I, I think it starts with, I don't even know if it's a, an attitude as much as a perspective. I mean, I, I had a pretty good attitude about things. I, I, I just, the reality hit me you know, hey, the football season is going to go on, these teams are going to play, the fans are going to go, It's, you know, it was a great run, um, and um, I've got to make the most of what I said I would do, and that's really, I, I think I was kind of fortunate, I don't know if I was ever born with a with an off switch, you know, I mean, you asked me about retirement, I, I only kind of know one thing, I just needed to put and focus my energies and stop feeling sorry for myself about having left coaching and what I consider to be, you know, kind of the primary. He was 30 years old at the time and you know, was, like I said, I was an associate head coach and defensive coordinator and with Coach Price he gave me a lot of responsibility underneath that so you know, from a job standpoint it was everything that I wanted to have is my aspirations to be a college coach and we had some great coaches in those days too, assistant coaches, and we we're playing a really good schedule. Remember, it was pre-WAC and there were a lot of different rules in college football.
0: I'm wondering when you decided as a coach that it's time to move on and why you did not decide the same thing as a salesperson, it was time to move on, if things weren't going good in the beginning?
2: Well, first of all, I didn't really ever want to leave coaching. (laughs) I mean, that's just it. I didn't see myself necessarily doing anything else. Life changes, you know? Men plan, God laughs, as the old saying goes. Um, And uh, when my wife was pregnant, with our son and the economics hit us it was either leave Hawaii or try something different. That really became the decision that had to be made. And leaving Hawaii probably would have meant staying in coaching, going back to the mainland somewhere, or because we loved it here so much try to do something in business. It would have to be in sales, as I said, because I felt that's the only thing I felt qualified to do at that time. That's what happened. It was about really staying in Hawaii. So so leaving coaching was about staying in Hawaii and trying to work in something that might provide more financial income. Beyond that, I didn't know. Leaving sales, I never really left sales. Um, I just kept getting promoted. <laughs> I think today, to this day, I, I, one of the things I love most is going to our weekly sales meetings. I don't know about our salespeople. If they, they'll tell you that. I like it. It's a lot of fun. And I really, um, they may not say that it's a lot of fun either. Uh, but, we, you know, that's what drives this business. I mean, it starts with a top-line model. You know, you've got to bring the revenue in. And that was, quite frankly, one of the things that had gone wrong.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio.
0: Hawaiian time Neptune nights The sunshine in your mouth Neptune
1: nights. For bubble tea supplies Happy in your friends. home at a party it's or like business contact Bubble Tea end. Supply at 948-2622 or online at mouth. bubbletea.com
0: Neptune nights The sunshine in your mouth
1: We're back with Rick Blangiardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of KGMB 9. Pursuing your passion, you know, a lot of people would say passion was football, but it seems like that was then. Is it still your passion, and do you have a passion also for TV now?
2: passion you know it's such a strong word and i talk a lot about that you know and 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 having to have passion and for people and looking for that quality in people people we ask to come work with us you know i look for authentic and passionate people with good skill sets it gets pretty scary when you start getting a lot of that around you i am i'm I'm passionate about a lot of things i i i i mean i'm clearly passionate about my work uh, and the people, especially, I'm probably more passionate about the people I'm working with than the work itself, if you will. Um, uh, and I may sound a little bit strange, but that's you know that's one of the things in my role where I really interact a lot with the people. There are people in this building who actually do more TV, you know. Um, so from that standpoint, I'm passionate about 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 my work in a broad sense. certainly passionate about people close to me um you know as i said earlier my 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 children i've got an incredible woman in my life now a lady in my life um and i'm I'm passionate about a lot of other things i I mean uh, i I have strong feelings on 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 certain issues social issues and things that you know that i as long as i can while i'm here if we can make a difference in the areas that i can devote some time and energy i'm passionate about those things
0: can you share a story about When passion is taking you through something, maybe you didn't think was possible, or where the passion is the thing that you know carries you. Well, I passion. Okay, I I I
2: will tell you this: coming back home and having the responsibility, unique responsibility of operating two television stations simultaneously, both of which were in difficult states for one reason or another, and trying to move them both on parallel tracks, all the while being excited having to pinch myself that I was back in Hawaii yet at the same time having these incredibly long demanding days either one of them was a full-time effort that um, yeah you had to I loving the job and loving where I was waking up in the morning and being back home and trying to make a difference and caught up with that and trying to make these good stations to work in and also making a good contribution back to the market, and working on improving the quality of our news operation and who got to do, do that and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think most recently, the last five years have sort of been all about that, you know? It's been a really strong feeling of, of being home and wanting to do well just because it was the responsibility and the challenge I was, I was fortunate enough to be given.
1: You're so busy at that time running two stations, trying to get them um, to be successful, yet you said when you came home to Hawaii, it was so easy, it wasn't a question. You wanted to give back, you wanted to make Hawaii a better place. You're busy, but you want to give back. Could you share a little bit more about that perspective and how we as busy people should be able to feel the same sure. way? Sure.
2: Well, I mean, look. <laughs> I I know other people who have sat in this chair and I don't claim to be any busier than them and lots and lots of busy people, you know, Um, and I I think it it goes back to saying, you know, how much do you have inside? How much can you give? What can you do? If you're really pushing yourself, if you're really expecting a lot from yourself, understanding um, that, you know, that that, that it has to come from within. I mean, and so then it's just... That and then looking at the things you, that, that interest you, you know. But I mean, it really is about just wanting to put it all out there, you know. Don't leave anything. We used to say years ago when I was coaching to the kids, you know, before the game, we'd tell them, you know, hey, you know, what what you what you what you give out there tonight is what you're gonna keep, and what you save will be what you lose. Okay, it's about giving it, giving it all and I've really always believed in that um, but I try to make sure that I at least do it in places that are purposeful and, and for the right reasons and, the, and hopefully the right things.
0: Can you tell us about either when you were a coach or as a player when giving it your all made the most difference?
2: Well there, there, there were you know, a number of times both playing and coaching and even observing the game in the in the game of football where I've had witness to some incredible incredible you know efforts you know where just everybody was just drained after the game you know. Um, so it was play by play. play yeah, by play time. by play. I think one of the you know and I have the game ball in my office it was a gift to me from Coach Price when I left coaching so it was his most cherished possession between the two of us and I had actually had the copy of I actually had the game ball too at the day of the game and cut it up that night actually cut the game ball up and gave each person a piece of it, but the day that we upset the University of Washington in Seattle, 10-7, to uh, on an opening day in what was then the old Pac-8, I think back about it. There have been some great upsets over the years at the University of Hawaii, but for me in my tenure as a player coach, that one was incredible because we were supposed to lose by some 50 points, playing an extremely formidable opponent on their turf, We're supposed to be the classic opening day warm-up game for a team that I think was supposed to head to the Rose Bowl that year, Um, back in the old days when the Pac-10 played every year. And beating them was incredible because of the way the game unfolded. It was so physical and the goal line stands and the fact that just people rose to the occasion that day and uh, did things that... um, You know, we're high water marks all the way around. And I think as coaches we felt the same way. So I I, I remember that. I keep that ball around me um, because it was a great symbol of my time in coaching but also a, a strong reminder that no matter how much of an underdog you may be in a given situation, that you can overcome that. And I always try to remember that because, you know, you're not always the front runner. And a lot of times it's about coming from behind. It's what it takes to do that. So for me, I kind of like have that as
0: around. Were you guys winning right off the bat?
2: Uh, we opened up, yeah. We scored. Um, we we scored first, if I remember. Then they tied it up, and then we were able to, Reinhold Stuprich kicked the field goal. Um, but um, uh, we, it was just an incredible game because they were so determined to run it down our throat, and they weren't able to do it.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host Evan Leong and Carrie Leong saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.